Welcome back, y'all, to another episode of the What in the Sam Hill podcast, where I investigate paranormal phenomena, high strangeness, cryptozoology, ancient mythology, and the delightfully odd. I am your host and resident nerd, Aaron. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to encourage you to check out the Substack. There we have show notes for each episode that contain the relevant links to papers and articles used in research for the episode, as well as links to my metaphysical newsletter, The Moonbeam Mirror. I also want to encourage you to share the podcast with your friends. Let's build a community of weirdos together. Happy Friday the 13th, everyone. This week, we are talking about the phenomenon of spontaneous human combustion, where a person appears to burn to death for no reason at all. Though spontaneous human combustion is extremely rare, there have been a few hundred, I believe, documented cases over the last couple of centuries, um, really starting in the 1700s. This is going to be a high-level discussion of the how and why instead of looking at specific cases. And I don't want to discuss specific cases for a couple of reasons. First, to truly discuss any specific case, one would need access to the kind of records that I'm not going to get for free in a week. So that would be police reports, death certificates, autopsy results, etc. And that's just for the newer cases. Obviously, older cases are pretty hopeless for getting a true order of events. And that being said, all of the information would only be useful if accurate, which kind of is unlikely given the polarizing nature of this topic. Um, the other thing is that many of the most famous cases are the ones that are more easily debunked. They've gotten that press because of the debunking efforts. And then finally, many of the specific cases I looked at were called spontaneous human combustion by the newspapers, but to me were clearly something else. Sensationalism sells, fear sells. There was a lot of press around this in the 1800s. Nevertheless, there have been enough cases of spontaneous human combustion over the years to create a list of standard traits, and that's what I want to try to explain. So this list I'm about to read comes from an 1828 article in the Bath Chronicle with my commentary added, of course. Number one, the greater part of the persons who have fallen a victim to spontaneous combustion have made an immoderate use of alcoholic liquors. And then from Skeptical Inquirer, we get... Early theorists, including members of the temperance movement, had suggested that alcohol-impregnated tissues were rendered highly combustible, but scientists refuted the notion by experimentation and pointed out that, that a person would die of alcohol poisoning long before imbibing enough alcohol to have even a slight effect on the body's flammability. In the 18th and 19th centuries in particular, the spontaneous human combustion um, phenomenon was believed to be the devil slaying these people for their drunkenness. And it can be hard to parse the temperance movement propaganda from fact in some of these publications. But I do want to come back to this point in particular when we're doing our research, my research, because though those, those tissues may not be impregnated with alcohol, there is a staggering connection between um, alcoholism, and spontaneous human combustion that needs to be addressed. Number two, the combustion is almost always general, but sometimes is only partial. By general, they mean considering uh, consuming basically the whole trunk of the body. To me, this is what 
spontaneous human combustion really is. I'm not sure that partial combustion is, is of the same phenomenon, honestly. So I will not be focusing on it. Number three, it is much rarer among men than among women, and they are principally old women. There is but one case of the combustion of a girl 17 years of age, and that was only partial. 18th century French physician Claude Nicolas Lacat supposed that women were more susceptible because they were more sedentary. He believed that sedentariness was necessary for spontaneous human combustion. I did not see this position echoed in later reports. So the question of women being more susceptible is still very much on the table. Um, they also don't mention it here, probably because they're trying to be polite, but victims are usually quite plump also. Uh, number four, the body and the viscera are invariably burnt, while the feet, the hands, and the top of the skull almost always escape combustion. This is one of the creepiest aspects of spontaneous human combustion. If you've seen the pictures, you've seen a leg just sitting there from the knee down. It makes me so thankful I am not a cop. I do not have the stomach for all of that. Um, but it is something that we need to try to explain. And then, uh, yeah, pardon the, the wordage here. Number five, although it requires several faggots to burn a common corpse, incineration takes place in these spontaneous combustions without any effect on the most combustible matters in the neighborhood. In an extraordinary instance of a double combustion operating on two persons in one room, neither the apartment nor the furniture was burnt. So for those unfamiliar with 17th century speech correction, 19th century speech. Um, they are not referring to gay people here. They are referring to a stick or a bundle of sticks um, or even sometimes uh, the actual burning of somebody with those sticks, like burning a witch at the stake. In regards to the surroundings, this is a hallmark of spontaneous human combustion. And it's kind of what makes it so confusing. The event is isolated to the body and the fire was, does not spread throughout the dwelling. Um, we don't have known cases of spontaneous human combustion burning a house down. Then again, even if we did, we probably would have chalked it up to something else and never really known. But the cases that we're studying, the, studying the fire does not spread. Um, or at the very least, it, it chars but not does not consume the furniture surrounding it. The nature of fire is, of course, that it burns until it runs out of fuel. So if the human fat burns up before any of the surroundings catch fire, the expected result is that it would appear that only the body had burnt. So this is a matter of how long and how hot the body burns, um, especially. And then all if there are other fuel sources around, for example, an oil lamp. And I was not able to find this supposed instance of two persons in one room falling victim to spontaneous human combustion. So I can't really comment on that. Not that I'm really commenting on specific cases anyway, um, but I just wanted to point out that I have no idea what they're talking about there. Number six, it has not been at all proved that the pre presence of an inflamed body is necessary to develop spontaneous human combustions. By inflamed body, I believe that they mean an external source of ignition, such as a lamp or a fireplace. Um, I will say that there does seem to be an external source of fire in many of the cases, but this is unsurprising for the old cases in particular prior to the electrification of homes because you obviously need lamps to see and fires to cook and heat the home. And this 
remains true because of the prevalence of people who are alcoholics who are also smokers. Um, We don't necessarily have open fireplaces today, but smokers, alcoholics do smoke in their homes still. It will be interesting to see in the future if spontaneous human combustion remains a phenomenon when cigarettes are no longer in fashion. I imagine that it will, but I did want to mention here that many of the cases do have a candle, a lamp, a fireplace, something like that noted in the vicinity of the body. Number seven, water so far from extinguishing the flame seems to give it more activity And when the flame has disappeared, secret combustion goes on. This is pretty consistent with your typical grease fire. If you'll remember back to the Chicago World's Fair episode, I speculated that the smokestack fire was a grease fire caused by someone trying to dispose of that mysterious 16th body that they found because the fire seemed to worsen when they started putting water on it. So I don't think that this is particularly special to spontaneous human combustion, but rather just a standard feature of human fat being burned. Number eight, spontaneous human combustions are more frequent in the winter than in the summer. This would certainly speak to the open flame idea because in the 19th century, you're going to have more fires in fireplaces in the winter. I did not see this reported in more recent statistics, so I don't know if this is still true or if this resolved itself with the advent of electricity. We also must consider that people just tend to drink more in the winter as a coping mechanism, so it creates more opportunity. Number nine, general combustions are not susceptible of cure, only partial. Essentially, this means it's a death sentence with no survivors, unless it's just a hand or something, though I still would argue that partial combustions are probably not true cases of spontaneous human combustion anyway. Number 10, those who undergo a spontaneous human combustion are the prey of a very strong internal heat. This is pretty much what it sounds like. It's just a description of a sensation, not a true medical condition. There are any number of things that could cause this type of sensation, including heartburn, menopause, dehydration, and alcohol itself. Alcoholism could really create this sensation in in several ways. So given that it is so generic and so really describable by any means... I don't think it's worth dwelling on it for the purposes of identifying the true cause of this phenomenon. Number 11, the combustion bursts out all at once and consumes the body in a few hours. This point is actually up for debate. The vast majority of cases seem to happen when a person is by themselves, so it's hard to know exactly how fast or slow the combustion would occur, um, but we will discuss this later. Number 12, The parts of the body not attacked are struck with sphacelsis. Not a fun word to say, but sphacelsis is essentially necrotic tissue or gangrene. So where the body doesn't burn the extremities, um, and you don't see any charring on these extremities, but you still have internal tissue damage. Number 13, in persons who have been attacked by spontaneous human combustion, a putrid degeneracy takes place, which soon leads to gangrene. Again, we have the gangrene, but I think here they meant more for people who experience the uh, partial combustion, which again, kind of a different thing. And then another characteristic of spontaneous human combustion that is not listed in this article, but does generally happen or is generally accepted as being part of the phenomenon is that a greasy residue coats the entire room. Um, But that's just kind of accepted as being the 
human fat melting, burning, becoming part of the air, and then leaving a residue on everything in the room. So of that list, some characteristics are more peculiar to this phenomenon than others. And so these are the characteristics that I'm particularly interested in. So there is a high rate of alcoholism in the victims. So I'm looking for an explanation that alcoholism would make more prevalent, but it can't be something strictly associated with alcohol consumption, especially because even in those who do have alcoholic tendencies, we don't know for sure that all of them were drunk at the time. The other aspect to this is that it seems to be liquor drinkers more so than beer or wine drinkers, but this could just be the amount of damage that we see in the body done by uh, large amounts of liquor versus large amounts of a lower percentage of alcohol drink. Um, And then the victims more likely to be women. The The combustion typically involves the trunk, but not the extremities, though the extremities do have tissue damage. I would like to look for an internal source of the combustion. It's also plausible that there could be something that would preclude the body towards combustion, but still require an external source. But it does seem that at least some of the accounts do not have an obvious external source of combustion, of ignition. I would like to see if it's reasonable that you could have an internal source of ignition. And then is there an explanation for the sudden combustion reported in some cases? Though we can't be certain in all cases, like I said, many of these cases happen when the person is alone and they're just found the next morning. Some reports do indicate the combustion is quite quick, so I want to see if that is reasonable as well. There are several explanations provided by proponents of spontaneous human combustion, but in general, the skeptics have pretty much settled on what is known as the wick effect or the candle effect. The premise of the wick effect begins with inebriation to the point of complete incapacitation. Predominantly, this would be alcohol in deference to the link with alcoholism, but in some cases, this is thought to be sleeping pills or something of that sort. Then we would have an external source of flame. This could be a candle, an oil lamp, an open fireplace, a tobacco pipe, or even a cigarette. The flame would ignite the person's clothing into a smolder. Then that slow burn of the clothing would kill the person, char their skin, and melt their body fat. At a certain point, the skin splits and the melted body fat leaks out onto the clothing. At that point, the garments become a candle wick, hence the theory's name. The garment would continue to burn from the supply of human fat until there was no fat left. At that point, The person's body would be unrecognizable, but the fire would go out, leaving much of the surrounding area completely undisturbed. While I personally have my doubts, I would like to give a hearty congratulations to skeptics on this one because I find this to be a pretty credible theory that probably does explain at least some of the cases. This is certainly a far more rational explanation than explaining away all of the mystery lights as car headlights when the sightings began in the 1880s, for example. It does explain many of the characteristics of spontaneous human combustion. There are some aspects, though, that I don't think the wick effect adequately explains. For one thing, the wick effect is dependent on a person being incapacitated to the point that they cannot put out the fire on their own and are not moving around, perhaps even lighting other things on fire, This does not explain the cases of spontaneous human combustion where there are witnesses that would be putting the fire out, nor does it explain the cases where a person is not sitting down when the incident occurs. 
The wake effect is dependent on low temperatures and a long timeline. The notion that all of these people would be completely incapacitated for a long time while this occurred does not comport with some of these cases. There is also the question of whether a cigarette butt could ignite clothing in this way. Certainly before electricity, when candles and open fires did much of the illumination and heating inside the home, the wick effect seems more reasonable, but many people burn their clothes, bedding, etc. with cigarettes every year. Surely if a mere cigarette could do this amount of damage, we would see supposed spontaneous human combustion more often. The wick effect does not explain why spontaneous human combustion would affect more women than men. While women are more likely than men to be negatively affected if they have alcohol dependency, men are far more likely to drink alcohol, to be alcoholics, and thus act to actually die from alcohol-related causes. And that difference only magnifies as you're looking back into history 100 plus years ago. The notion that women would be more affected by alcoholic incapacitation in the 1800s to the point that they would be the victims of the wick effect is unlikely given the data. I believe there must be some physiological difference between men and women that explains why women are the more likely victims of spontaneous human combustion. The wick effect does not explain why the extremities that are not burned have gangrene. The type of gangrene associated with burns is a wet gangrene due to secondary infection after the fact. A victim of spontaneous human combustion would not have time to develop an infection in their extremities. Not only that, I would expect that such embers from an open flame would surely not always catch fire in the same location on the body. Even with the reduced body fat in the extremities, some victims definitely had clothing over the entire body, especially in centuries past. So why wasn't there at least charring of the skin on the extremities? There is also the controversy of how hot the body burns. The wick effect theory describes low temperatures, but many have complained that the temperature needs to be at least 3000 degrees to burn bone to ash. So while I don't discount the wick effect as a valuable theory in explaining some aspects of spontaneous human combustion, I don't believe that it can probably properly explain all aspects of the phenomenon. Once again, I believe the skeptics are blinded by their disbelief. To this end, I would like to provide my own theory. There are certainly other theories of spontaneous human combustion out there, but to me, they range from the insufficient to the fantastical. I have provided a couple of resources on possible psychic causes of spontaneous human combustion if you would like more information there. I, however, believe that I have stumbled upon a sequence of events that is complex enough to explain the rarity of cases, but also practical enough to be considered something more than just an act of God. Plus, I believe it can explain all of the notable characteristics we have discussed. I call my theory the sum theory as it contains three important triggers, seizure, ulcer, and methane, S-U-M. To explain my theory, I want to start in reverse order with methane. So in regards to the methane aspect of this theory, I cannot claim total credit. There have been people who have previously posited that an ignition of intestinal gases was to blame in spontaneous human combustion. Methane and other intestinal gases naturally exist in the body, hence farts, and they are notably flammable, hence idiots lighting their farts on fire. Typically, however, even if these gases are present, they are not found in any significant amount, 
nor are they subjected to any type of ignition source. Interestingly, excessive alcohol uh, consumption and its associated downstream disorders, such as type 2 diabetes, kidney and liver disease, etc., can increase the methane production of the body significantly. So if you are an alcoholic, you are a greater fuel source than an average Joe. That also gets back to the victims. They are usually alcoholics, but they are also usually quite corpulent. So I would expect that type 2 diabetes, for example, would definitely be an issue. As an aside, another interesting characteristic of the few sightings that had witnesses is that the flame is always and distinctly described as having a blue color. Now you can get a blue flame from certain metals such as copper, which is obviously present in the blood and body. However, there are so many metals and materials present, it does not make sense for the blue to be characteristic of any one aspect of the body. The blue hue could be related to temperature. In the case of methane, the flame turns from yellow slash orange to blue when complete combustion occurs rather than just partial combustion. This is the blue flame you see on a gas stove, for example. And for methane, that happens at around 1960 degrees Celsius, which is far hotter than the typical structure fire at around 1500 degrees Celsius. The other option is, the, is that ethanol, which is alcohol, actually burns blue. So what the witnesses are seeing may be alcohol that spilled on the body, We've all seen messy drunk people and alcohol on the clothing would certainly burn much quicker than standard fabric. Because this flame color was only witnessed in a couple of cases that I read, some of which were not the true general spontaneous human combustion leading to death, I don't want to dwell on this as proving one thing or another. I did want to mention it though. The next aspect of my theory is ulcers. Typically speaking, the methane and other gases found naturally in our intestines and even sometimes in our stomach never actually get ignited. The gas is neatly wrapped in a series of membranes, tissues, more membranes, and more tissues. Peptic ulcers of the stomach and duodenum, which is the top portion of the small intestine, can be caused by alcoholic consumption. It can also be caused by smoking, and we see a fair amount of spontaneous human combustions that also partake in tobacco. Sometimes these peptic ulcers can lead to perforation if the causal behaviors continue and healing cannot happen. Healing notably is more difficult in people who have type 2 diabetes, for example. Perforation means that the ulcer goes all the way through the organ. In that case, not only are you exposing the intestinal gases to blood vessels and nerves and other aspects of tissue that are typically protected, but also you get a buildup of intestinal gases in the peritoneal cavity. You could also be exposing that intestinal gas to the visceral fat, depending on how much you would have. But again, we're talking about corpulent people, so there probably is a fair amount of visceral fat there, and that would be another fuel source found in the peritoneal cavity. Important to our investigation is that perforation of a peptic ulcer is more likely to happen in an elderly person and most of our victims are on the older end of the spectrum of life. Peptic ulcers can occur in both men and women, with men actually being more likely to have peptic ulcer disease. The statistics, however, vary with age. In the younger demographics, men are more likely to get peptic ulcers and they are more likely to be in the duodenum. 
in the older demographics, women are more likely to be the victims, the ulcers are more likely to be gastric, and the ulcers can often be cancerous. So in the old, older demographic where perforation is more likely to occur, we see women being the sex that gets the short end of the stick. This aligns with the spontaneous human combustion standard where the victims tend to be older women. Not only that, women are significantly more likely to develop seasonal affective disorder in the winter, which is something that leads people with alcoholism to drink even more in an effort to numb the depression. So the higher instance of spontaneous human combustion does not have to be related to the open flames of winter fireplaces and can directly tie to the predominance of the phenomenon being in women. That leads me to the final piece of the puzzle. Intestinal gas doesn't set itself ablaze. If it did, we would have a lot more issues. I promised to look for an internal ignition source though, and I think I might've found one. We of course are bioelectric beings, something that has been discussed in other spontaneous human combustion theories. What if spontaneous human combustion is an internal electrical fire, rendered more violent because of the contained nature of the combustion? I would compare it to how lighting a firecracker in your hand is not going to do much other than possibly singe your skin. However, if you were to close your hand around that firecracker when it goes off, you're in for a lot more damage. Lighting a fart on fire might not be so bad, but lighting it on fire inside of you might just make you spontaneously combust. There are several types of seizures, but in general, a seizure is a sudden bout of irregular or exaggerated electrical activity in the brain. I've had a bit of experience with a person who had a couple of grand mal seizures, which is also called a tonic-clonic seizure, and his doctor compared it to your computer becoming overworked and freezing up, so you have to restart it. If we have an increase in electrical activity within the brain, it's conceivable that the electricity could travel along neural pathways into ulcer-damaged tissues and perhaps create a spark that ignites the intestinal gas within the peritoneal cavity. Another possibility is that the increased electrical activity in the brain could induce an electrical current in the blood, which is rendered usually unusually conductive because of the increased electrolyte levels associated with overindulgence in alcohol. Regular overindulgence in alcohol, I should say. I want to put in the caveat that this is speculation. It's all theoretical. There are no studies that I could find that explain this phenomenon. Um, just try Googling uh, electricity in the blood and you'll get way lost. Understandably, this would be difficult to quantify and study as seizures are transient. I'm not sure doctors and researchers would be looking for it anyway. There's so much that we still don't know about seizures, their causes, and their effects on the body. For example, it appears that the blood-brain barrier becomes six times more permeable during a seizure, which could have profound effects on future brain health, but we don't know how that plays out long-term. There are some things, however, that we do know. We know that alcoholism can cause seizures in a couple of different ways. Withdrawal for, from alcohol can cause seizures in those who have a physical addiction, and that seizure window would be 6 to 48 hours after the last partaking, shall we say. Alcoholism can also cause seizures because of various electrolyte imbalances within the blood from alcohol-related health conditions, including uh, hyperglycemia, hypernatremia, and a few others. 
Spontaneous human combustion has lived on the edge of parapsychology, physiology, and religion for centuries. Its rarity means that its secrets remain hidden, and while I generally bounce between my scientific brain and my whimsical brain, I think spontaneous human combustion is one of those phenomena that is best explained with a bit of both. Let's revisit that initial list of characteristics and see if my sum theory holds water in explaining what we know of the phenomenon. Alcoholism. Yes, I think we have properly addressed the alcoholism aspect. One thing I love about the sum theory is that all of the parts can be caused by things other than alcoholism, which explains the rare cases where a person does not overindulge regularly. All of the parts do appear to be increased in prevalence by alcoholism though, which, which explains why our alcoholic victims would be more likely to have the full Monty of effects. Um, it affects more win women than men. We accounted for that with the ulcers. To get the perforation of an ulcer needed to have that methane buildup in the core, you're going to be looking at mostly older individuals, and in older individuals, women are more likely than men to get peptic ulcers. Interestingly, also, in older people, the intensity of symptoms associated with peptic ulcers drops dramatically. And so it makes sense that an older person wouldn't necessarily know that they had such a severe ulcer and let it go for too long. We also explained why the fact that more women are victims may also be an explanation of why it happens more often in the winter. Women are more likely to develop seasonal affective disorder and overindulge in the winter to cure their blues. And then damage being primarily to the trunk of the body with the extremities having some necrosis but not any external charring. I think this is also well explained by the sum theory, with the methane buildup being within the peritoneal cavity, obviously the trunk would suffer the most immediate damage. Because the electrical spark and conflagration is internal though, I would expect to see internal damage to the extremities, but no external charring. And then finally, the sum theory would also obviously explain the apparent sudden onset and lack of external ignition source of some of those cases. That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. If you have any experiences or thoughts or other theories that you want to share, please leave a comment on the Substack post. I would love to hear your thoughts on the matter and continue the conversation. Until next time, in the immortal words of Euripides, question everything, learn something, answer nothing. I will see you next week.